0: back.
1: And this is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast on which we re-watch very special episodes of television from the past to see what they have to teach us today.
0: Today we are taking our very first look at good times. Yeah. What a way to make a living. Good times. No, that's nine to five. <laughs> 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 Working in good times. <laughs> Uh, Dolly Parton in Are good you times. listening to
1: Dolly Parton's America?
0: Uh, not yet. So
1: good. Pre plug. What we're really looking
0: at <laughs> is the non-Dolly Parton Good Times. The episode is called J.J. in Trouble. This is season three, episode 21. It aired February 3rd, 1976, just in time for Valentine's Day. Right. It was written by Rod- Roger Shulman and John Baskin, the writing team of Shulman and Baskin. Yeah? Nope. No, no. Actually, they are. They are a writing team, which brings us right into Hero What? Yay! So, Roger Schulman and John Bastin were a writing team. One of them is dead. Mm. Um, right. Responsible for a great many series, including the series Crazy Like a Fox. Uh in okay. which Harrison Fox Senior and Harrison Fox Jr. are two of San Francisco's most successful private eyes. I was gonna
1: say it's a, that's a PI.
0: It is. And it's also my favorite like eighties eighties trope where it's like the title has something to do with somebody's name. Yeah. It's like Crazy Like a Fox and everybody the name Fox. Yep. They also wrote the TV movie Still Crazy Like a Fox.
1: <laughs> after all and, these years. Yeah,
0: which is still crazy like a fox after all these years. Um <laughs> The part of which is during a vacation in England, they inadvertently become the prime suspects in a murder case and must go on the run in the <gasps> British countryside with the whole of the police force on their trail. Oh no,
1: Scotland Yard is after them. And that's been you, were what? You can watch Good Times on Stars or Hulu Plus Stars if you have that add on to that's your That's right, Hulu. Stars. Yeah, I know, it's such a random stars. place to find Good Times. Sure.
0: What am I going to watch after American Gods? Good times. Good
1: times. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about Good Times. This is our first time doing yeah. this show. Chelsea, did you watch Good Times ever?
1: I feel like I must have watched it a little bit as a kid. I definitely remember the catchphrase "dynamite." I mm-hmm. definitely remember that being said around the house. But I, when I started watching this to, you know, to talk about it for this episode, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not i don't really remember this no. show, so it's got it 's got to be a good twenty years since I watched this i
0: uh I feel like this was one of those shows that I didn't get or wasn't old enough to get in the same way that it was like when the theme song came on. I threw up my tiny hands and went, <laughs> I guess Saturday morning cartoons are over mm. this and it <laughs> makes me seem like a tiny racist, but this and Soul Train were both like, "Ah, why is TV <laughs> doing this to me' But I do, like, definitely remember Dynamite, Mm -hmm. and then something I reference all the time that literally nobody ever gets, but it's just so melodramatic and funny. In an episode of Good Times, uh, Florida is the name of the matriarch, and her husband, James dies uh, at one point and she gets a call about it over the phone and uh, she tells her family, she's like, your father is dead. And then it just like zoom, like slowly pushes in on her and she goes, Damn, damn, damn. And it's just, it's its a beautiful moment, but it's so melodramatic, and especially out of context, that yeah. every now and then when
1: I get bad news, I'm just like, damn, <laughs> damn, damn. Yeah, that, that would be the season four opener you're referring to, because they kill him I off said, my, after season three, oh, because the, the, they were- pro-
0: I be, smell contract negotiations. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, it, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. And we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into it, because this- this is like the prototypical Urkel syndrome. What happened with this show? Oh, sure. And the rest of the cast was not happy about it. That's so, fine. The show ran for six seasons, 133 episodes, from 1974 to 1979. It was developed by Norman Lear, who also created The Jeffersons, All in the Family, Sanford and Son, Maud, and more. It's actually a spinoff of a spinoff. It's a spinoff of Maud, which was a spinoff of All in the Family. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: I'm really doing it. Takes place in South uh, South Side Chicago.
1: I don't. Th- I think it's Cabrini Green.
0: It's well, the address that he gives is Southside Chicago, Uh, right across from uh Fantastic Thunderbird Motors. (laughs) I've looked it up on a map, and like the only thing around this address are like 15 churches, right? And Fantastic Thunderbird Motors, interesting because
1: they show Cabrini Green in the credits. So I figured that's where it was,
0: yeah. Unless maybe JJ gave a false address.
1: No, that's the address, I think. Right. I think it's not specified on purpose, maybe. This but yeah, is the project your
0: classic, perfect strangers, where it's like they live in the Gold Coast and <laughs> right. Edgemont and right. than the other so
1: they're, they're very specifically, they live in like a housing project, yes. and they're, you know, they're a lower in lower income black family in Chicago in the 70s. Mm. This was the first primetime sitcom to feature an African-American family, and it tackled such serious problems as gang violence, unemployment, discrimination, poverty, and child abuse. Yep. Yep.
0: Including today's episode. But before we get into today's episode, let's uh, talk about the fucking snack. Let's do it. Uh, Yeah. Now it's time for our Levi Petrie Memorial Snack Time Hour, except he's still alive.
1: Yeah. Okay. We're so I was- at, Hungry! I was at the grocery store- And I noticed that it appears Butterfinger is getting into the peanut butter cup game. And I wondered to myself, oh, is butter pe- Butterfinger just going to like straight butter up. people. Are they. Are Butter people just making straight up peanut butter cups? But no, it looks like a peanut butter cup that has like that Butterfinger filling inside instead of peanut butter.
0: Do you think they've got their Butterfingers in too many pies, Chelsea?
1: Well, I guess the only way to know is to try. All right. Let's yeah. see, see what we're dealing that with.
0: That was a better segue than I thought we were going to do. <laughs> the only thing that would fuck it up is if I pointed out the segue. Yep. Segue to go. Let's eat a snack.
1: The scars of your love remind me of us. They keep me thinking that we
0: almost had it all. The scars of your love, they leave me breathless. I can't help feeling we
1: could have had it.
0: All. Yeah, no. Uh, not a big fan. I yeah. mean, it's fine.
1: No. Uh,
0: it tastes like the wrong parts of a Reese's peanut butter cup and the wrong parts of like a Butterfinger Butterfinger bar.
1: Yeah. Like so many things that seem like a good idea in theory, in execution, it's all wrong. Like you can't taste the butter. The The ratio is all screwed up. There's right. too much chocolate. The Butterfinger filling gets totally lost. Yep. Uh, the thing—the reason you eat a Butterfinger bar is because, like, it has that crunchy filling, and Crispy, you can't even—crispy
0: Butterfingers. Yeah, as exactly. Bartholomew J Simpson told us you
1: don't get any crisp or crunch in the Butterfinger peanut butter cup. Miles, do you want to contribute? No, I think yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: you get the, it just felt limp eating it. It was. It was it very, was very like, of, like soggy. Where's the cr- the crunchy, crispity center of this thing? Yeah. It was Slummy like there's a thing. war on, and all of our crispy crunchiness has to be reserved <laughs> it's for the troops. Yeah. Yep, Sorry. The- How are we gonna fight Jerry without a crispy crunches? Yeah, this was the English sausage version. There it of a. is. Absolutely. No. This is British yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> That's right. Stop chasing after Fox and his son, <laughs> and British people. Uh, let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. All
1: right. Man. Let's talk about it. The family that we are focused on consists of matriarch Florida. Her husband, James, and their three kids, J.J., Thelma, and Michael, who are 17, 16, and 11 mm-hmm. in season one, which means in this episode, they're 20, 19, and 14. Great. Trivia for you, mm-hmm. a young Larry Fishburne oh. filled in for Good Times rehearsals for the youngest child, Michael, because actor Ralph Carter was in a Broadway musical at the time. Interesting. And so, young Larry Fishburn would come in for the rehearsals, and then eventually they bought out all of Ralph Carter's Broadway contract for the remainder of his, the producers for the TV show did. Um, So they thought he was going to be like the breakout star. And he did have, he did become sort of like a Jackson five esque teen idol at the time. Yeah. But really, truly the breakout star of good times is JJ. Well,
0: let me mention this before we move forward because I didn't look this up at all, but I mean, it just makes a lot of sense when you see TV shows like this, uh, it always rings an alarm bell when, when, you have a character in it whose name is shared by the creator of the show. <laughs> the creator of the show is also named Michael. So you look to that and you're like, "Well, clearly this yeah. is the I'm this character." So I'm pretty sure that the the creator of the show, whose name I don't have handy, uh, wanted Michael to be the breakout. Like he's right. the oh he's the younger precocious brother. But they did yeah. not count on the the sheer animal charisma. Yeah. Of Jimmy J.J. Walker.
1: Well, Jimmy J.J. Walker was, at the time, a very successful stand-up comic, Mm -hmm. and he just had this timing and this like elastic face, and the audiences loved him, and it was supposed to be a family ensemble show, like All in the Family, but... He was the Urkel of his day, and Truly. he quickly ran away with the show, and it got to the point where director John Rich insisted that J.J. say his catchphrase, dynamite, in every episode. Although he didn't get it in this episode, so I'm not sure episode. at what point that kicked in. Season but
0: four, I'm guessing.
1: Over time, his character also became... You know, to quote the other cast members, more and more buffoonish. And the other actors became disillusioned with the direction of the show. John Amos, who played the father, leaves after this season. Mm -hmm. The actress that played the mother, who was supposed to sort of really be the center of the family universe, leaves in season five because she was like, I want better scripts. Sure. You know, even like Thelma, the sister, wants to be a surgeon. The youngest son, Michael, is very politically active, Mm -hmm. and he's uh, uh, very astute about things like the Civil Rights Movement, and that's part of his character is like how knowledgeable he is for a kid. Yeah. And J.J. is sort of like the oafish older brother, and they thought when they signed on for this show, they were like, this is going to be about our family and mm-hmm. he's the comic relief. And now it's suddenly about this guy who of all the members of the family is the least inspiring. You and know? that's got to
0: be you know, a frustrating thing, especially for a show that's the first show about uh, that, that features a, a black family, yeah. to be in that cast and feel like for the first three seasons, you're this important hallmark in history. And then suddenly it's like, oh, they're just playing up a black, you know, characteristic. Yeah. No, that's not. Well, that's no not, one used the word. Not like a caricature, well, but like it,
1: no one used the word minstrelsy. Yeah, but that's what it kind of brings to my mind. At, at, at least in terms of like, let's see how far we can push this comic trope over and over and over sure. again. And the other actors in the family, uh, the other actors, you know, playing the other members of the family, are like, this is not what we signed on for. Yeah. and they felt a responsibility to their community to show. Sure. You know, in fact, and, yeah, it,
0: if you if you're part of something that very suddenly seems like harmful to the point that you're trying to make, it's like, yeah, you know, I feel like it's it's there's a kinship here between this show and uh, the Chappelle show. Yeah, uh, for sure. As far as like jumping ship when it's like the people have control over this and they're, right. they're perverting it into something.
1: I'm sorry. I need to look up the matriarch's name, the actress's name, matriarch oh. sure, all in, not
0: oh, Esther all. Rolls. <laughs> Esther Rolls. Okay. Ooh. Hey, brain. Thanks for that.
1: In fact, in the original pilot, there was a father character and then the producers cut him. And Esther Rolle, who had already by that point signed on to play the matriarch, Uh was like, no, we are not making a show about a fatherless black family. We're not perpetrating that. So from the beginning, they were like, this is what this is going to be. We're going to really shine a light. And then it became something that no one signed on for. And actually what happened is after they started saying, well, we can do it without the father. Well, we can do it without the mother. Well, well, you know, (laughs) it's
0: just JJ Walker saying dynamite a hundred times. Yeah, no, exactly. And
1: then, and then the fans left. Of course.
0: I mean, that's, it's, this may be one of the first times that happened. Certainly not the last. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, it is. It's prototypical Oracle. Eventually, it's yep. just, did I do that? Did I do that?
1: Exactly. Did I
0: do that? Exactly. Did I do that? I mean, that? they don't go to
1: space. Matt feels like real missed opportunity, but...
0: They didn't have enough seasons. <laughs> right. um, so I feel like this is a good point in the series. Having all that information, this is a good point in the series where they're still making a point, but yep. it is very, like, I feel like... If that's the direction this is going, this is probably the writers and directors being like, well, we can use J.J. to make a point then if we have to feature him so heavily. And that's what we get here. So let's talk about these. These opening credits are fantastic. They really are. This is one of the most underrated theme songs ever because it's just so fucking good. And Alan Thicke had nothing to do with it. Uh,
1: (laughs) Unlike so many theme songs, he had his fingers in those pies.
0: Singing (laughs) on the Different Strokes theme song. Once you know that, you can hear him. And it's like, (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, That guy is is definitely sounds like he is engaged to a very young lady that's still blowing my mind constantly. He's like the Drake of his time, allegedly. Uh, So, uh, opening credits, good times. Anytime you need a payment, good times anytime you need friends. Good times... um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, See a
1: sweeping aerial views of Chicago. Trying
0: to remember any other lyrics that I <laughs> did from nine to five, and I couldn't think of a one. <laughs> sorry, sorry, folks. Um, yeah, aerial sweeping shot of Chicago. It's beautiful, it's fantastic. It's the 70s kids yeah. running in the streets, you yeah. get a real sense of everything, and then they zoom in on this uh, one apartment. And you're like, Here's where we're gonna be.
1: Yep. Uh, the ordinary world of the show as we set it up is that. Uh, the parents are out of town at mm-hmm. a wedding for the weekend. Thelma and Michael, the two younger kids, are doing chores, and they've been working hard uh, because Thelma says, "I don't like doing chores either." But Michael, but we have to keep the house clean while everyone, you know, while our parents are gone. And now we know at least part of the special world right off the bat that the kids are alone. Yeah. And then JJ comes in, and I expected a huge audience reaction. I expected like an Urkel drunk it's
0: thunder, thunderous yeah. applause. But it might, doesn't happen. They might not have have prompted that.
1: Yeah. So he, but he complains that uh, the his siblings interrupted his beauty sleep, and he's not doing any chores this morning. He says. I,
0: I will also say that the way that multicams are filmed. You do especially this one because this whole act one is one long scene. Yep. Which is fantastic. It feels like a little plate. Yeah, it does. Uh but it also might have been like there was thunderous applause the first couple of times they did this yeah. scene and then like the the take that they could use, the audience was like, Yeah, we get it.
1: Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Um, we get your sort of regular sibling squabbles. You're like this. Oh yeah, well you're like this. Mm-hmm. Laugh, laugh, laugh. And I was thinking, man, we really got away from this format after the nineties, didn't we?
0: Sort of here's the thing uh, that I wrote down in, in response to that because it's good this is a good setup for how this show works and I feel like how Norman Lear produced influenced shows tend to work is everybody's you know a real piece of shit to each other and then you land on like but we care yeah 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 like if you have time mention that you care but I wrote a um, I wrote a original multi-cam script one time which is not fun Uh, For me, anyway. But it felt immediately that the formula became very clear as, okay, one person says something completely normal... And then you just get another character to say the shittiest thing possible yes. in response. And that's how multi-cams work. And, and and watch it as we go along. It's somebody who's like, man, what a great day. And then it's just somebody basically going, hey, fuck you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and really also- just
0: that over and over and over again. To
1: see how loud we can get the audience to laugh if it's Sweet. a loud audience. Sometimes yeah. it's like, well, they didn't laugh that loud. Let's make it worse. Mm-hmm. There'll be rewrites happening on set. And they're Absolutely. trying to get a bigger and bigger reaction. So it's like by the time they use the take, it's like the sixth worst thing they get. Think of yeah, really. yeah, yeah. It's like, wait a second. All right,
0: that didn't work. What if he just stabs at
1: <laughs> While screaming, your mother's a whore. How your about- mother's a whore. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! The audience is like, oh, now we're intrigued. Put that laugh track <laughs> away. We won't be needing it for this one. Um, um the upshot of all this sibling uh fighting is that JJ announces he's in charge He's going to spend the emergency money their parents left on eating out. He's going to sleep in mom dad's room. He's taking the TV in there and on and on he and on. He is ostensibly
0: the grown-up here.
1: Right. And the other two are having none of this.
0: Chelsea, before we go a single step further, in the, the very third line, perked up something that uh, has prompted some jazz research.
1: <gasps> I'm so excited.
0: I am too, because I also figure like, uh, jazz research happens so infrequently, but feels like such a cornerstone of the show. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've found a music cue. So Chelsea, here's some jazz research.
1: That's right. your
0: intro? <laughs> it is. I love it. That is Kendrick Lamar's For Free, which is definitely not something to take lightly. And yet here we are. So um, I'll try to find a more appropriate, less controversial piece uh, next time. So when they're talking about doing chores, young Michael says that he's, she's, uh... uh what is it? What's her name? Thelma. Thelma. Thelma says, it's time to take out the trash. And he's like, no, no, no. I've done so many chores. I've done this, that, and the other. I'm going to be the youngest diagnosed case of housemaid's knee. Guess what, Chelsea? That's a real fucking thing. What? I know. Housemaid's <laughs> knee is real. What it is is uh, inflamed bursa, uh, which is the, the fluid sac that sits mm. on top of your kneecap.
1: I don't want that.
0: And through direct trauma or re- repeated stress, it can fill with even more fluid and become sort of engorged and disgusting. Well, it doesn't uh, uh, until your limit, bursts, of bursts. I don't. Know, I don't know, man. I didn't get that far because then they started showing pictures, and I was no, like, "No, run away! No, elephantitis to the knee!" Mm-mm. But here's the here's the best part. Housemaid's knee is only one of the many names that it's known by. The actual name is prepatellar bursitis. Okay. Uh, Also known as carpet layer's knee. Oh. Rug cutter's knee. Beat knee? (laughs) Uh, Coal miner's (laughs) knee. Gardener's knee. And my favorite and your favorite... Nun's (laughs) Nun's knee.
1: <laughs> oh, from just praying? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Take that, says God. <laughs> Thanks for all your prayers. No. Here's a puffy knee.
1: Oh, that makes... Now I'm doing the thing where like you hear about something yeah, and you touch I, your own yeah. knee and you're like, I feel... I think, I think I'm think i okay. Yeah. I think I'm okay for now.
0: There is also a thing called a Bible bump, which I actually had at <gasps> one point in my life.
1: Is that when you've been hit on the head by a Bible so Sadly, many times? Sadly, no.
0: That's just religion, Chelsea. <laughs> That's called a good (laughs) upbringing, jerk No, uh, every now and then you can get a cyst uh, Sort of similar, but smaller On the back of your wrist Uh, Just from repeated use It has something to do with, you know It's related to carpal tunnel in some way It's called a Bible uh, cyst or a Bible bump Because back in the day How you took care of that And how I sort of took care of that Is you just whack it with a heavy book And it goes away
1: (laughs) That sounds like medieval medicine
0: Biblical medicine, yeah. bro. And this has been Jazz Research, everybody.
1: Oh, my God. We're going to get
0: sued. I feel like we've, we're only playing seven seconds of it. So yeah. maybe okay. we can get away with that without being flagged. Sure. Kendrick's not listening to this. <laughs> what? How dare you? Every... What? All right, well, I'm going to pack up and go. <laughs>
1: no, I'm sorry. I, I've been lying to you this whole time. All those letters from Kendrick Lamar that, uh, that you've gotten, I've been writing them.
0: The ones that are, that are signed Chelsea at first and then crossed out and then yeah. said Kendrick
1: Lamar? What? Yeah, sorry.
0: No, all it's right. been well, me the whole time. Very special episode of <laughs> Andy's disappointing life. So, uh, <laughs> the kids are just, the whole first five, ten minutes of this is just, Kids yelling at each it's other, just insulting world. each other. Yeah. It's insults, threats, blackmail, or as JJ calls it, brown mail. Brown mail, uh, yelling at each other, um, tattling, and then coming together when trouble uh, uh, starts right. to show itself on the horizon.
1: Trouble in the form of their neighbor and their mother's best friend, Balona, who comes over to check on them. Wait, what's her name? Balona.
0: Thank you. You almost had a B at the beginning of that, and I was like, "Well, come on now." <laughs>
1: Balona. Hi, I'm Balona. <laughs> Well, well, the comes- writers
0: thought about my name for a half a second. <laughs> <So> they, <laughs> they were, were hungry. A, they were in. They were looking in a fridge, and
1: they're like, "Man, it's fine." Bologna mayo. May. Uh, Walona well, comes over to check on them, and she tells them to stop fighting. And then Thelma tattles that JJ was out till two a.m. last night, and then Michael tattles that Thelma herself was out until 1 30 a.m. Willone is not best pleased with any of this. She tells them, stop fighting, stop running the roads at night, and behave. But as soon as she leaves, they're just at each other's throat again Absolutely. until the phone rings.
0: You mean the phone call to adventure, we Chelsea? Have yet another
1: phone call to adventure. It just seems
0: like the easiest way. If you're having trouble moving your story along, just have the story call the characters exactly. on the phone. <laughs> exactly. And tell them they need to get busy doing something.
1: This is uh, calls for JJ. It's his ex girlfriend Marianne who asks if she can come over and talk to him. So he attempts to hustle his siblings out of the house.
0: He says goodbye by saying "Sirenara," right? Sirenara.
1: Sirenara.
0: <laughs> Which is pretty funny. Look, I get like legit laughs out of this show. I'm not. I'm not lying to you. It's like. Every now and then there's something just funny enough that I'm like, nah.
1: Right.
0: Uh, it's a lot of it's been like retread since.
1: I, I laughed in, a, in a, a moment after this because he's giving them their coats and he's like, you should go to the zoo. Get out of here. Yeah, get yeah. out of here. And because he's giving them the coats, I was like, it's winter in Chicago. If you want me to leave this apartment, Mm-mm. money will change hands. Yep. And then young Michael sits down and he's like, I'll leave for a price. And yeah. I did laugh at that. I was like, you and me, Michael, yeah. we're on the same wavelength there. The, the,
0: there has to be zero food in the house. <laughs> and... It's been a couple of days. Uh, So JJ does uh, eventually convince them that they need to go. Michael uh, Brown mails him back. Yep. And does a thing that is legitimate. If your parents are out of the house, I don't know if this happened with you, but with me, my brother and sister, it definitely did. parents are out of the house. That The prime real estate is the parents' bedroom because it is a the best bed in the house yep. and a television.
1: Yeah. We never got to sleep in my parents' bedroom when they were yeah, out of town.
0: We never told our parents <laughs> that we did.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that you're right though. Cause it's the biggest room in the house mm-hmm. the bed bedroom. It's got the best bed. It's yeah, got to it feel sleepy. like
0: feel important.
1: Feel like a King.
0: Yeah. You can look for Christmas presents if it's, you know, if you have time. Yeah. No, time
1: I never got to do that. That's a good idea though. I should have done that. You um, never,
0: you never, did you not have Christmas? No. Were you not a snoop? I find that hard to believe. No,
1: not. I mean, not hunting for presents. I did that I, all the time. I mean, sleeping in my parents' room when they were out of town.
0: Gotcha. Uh, so uh, he convinces his uh, siblings to get out of the house. Marianne arrives, and then we slide into the end of Act One with her saying, "I got VD, and you gave it to me."
1: Yeah, this is the this is the call to adventure. She is the herald. Jeez. I gotta say though that there's. I know it's supposed to be funny. This exchange between her and JJ. Sure. But the way he's like, she comes in and she's got this determined look on her face. She looks upset. She's Uh. from the beginning. She's like, I got to tell you something. And he is leering at her. Sure. He won't keep his hands off her. He won't let her get a, a word in edgewise. It's just not aged well. Like, this whole sort that, of, like, he's yeah. a little bit predatory, isn't it funny kind of bit?
0: I mean, what they do to, first of all, you're not wrong. I mean, it's the mid-70s. Right. Predatory is just uh, good old-fashioned boys will be boys still. Yeah. Kavanaugh. Um, but they have set this up in why else would Marianne call right. unless she wants to, to come hang out. So I think they're trying to set it up as in J.J. is so... This all comes out of left field for JJ cuz he can't think of another reason for right. somebody to come by.
1: And and of course it's a bigger it's a bigger drop yeah. From the height of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he thinks that she's come over here to hook up with him. I, I just was see like, some,
0: like, dude writers being like, see, he thinks he's going to get some, but then it turns out that VD.
1: Right, exactly. And I, I totally get the thought process. I mean, the audience is laughing. Like, at the time, I'm sure it was hilarious. But now, all these years on, watching it, I was like, oh, I'm creeped out by this.
0: See, I got, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that. Uh, I thought you meant the, the reaction to the her saying it, which I oh. thought told everything we need to know about the history of this and right. and everything. The reaction to the line I I have V D and you gave it to me is so uproarious and like clearly the reaction to it signifies how little this has been discussed on television. Right. Um right. which I think there's a lot lot to say as we go along about you know this show approaching that, and this mm-hmm. show like dealing with that, uh, and other shows with other amorous male characters not yep. uh, doing that. A right, <laughs> <it>, the Fonzie. <laughs> but let's get into that uh, as we move along. Yeah, problematic setup for a joke here. Uh, yeah, I mean we
1: don't need to dwell in it. But I'm not, and like it just hasn't aged well in yeah. terms of like there are a lot of other things I think that actually in this episode are really well done. Yes. But this thing was troubling this little bit. Uh, but now we're in the special world of yeah. the hero's journey. We have we have answered that phone call to adventure. Mm-hmm. And now we're on the journey of like, oh, shit, you have VD. What are you going to do? Exactly. This
0: is a good, um, the way that they're approaching this issue. So the issue for the episode is you might have VD. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do it well. First, first panic. Then yeah, solid, right? right. Uh, so it's just JJ uh, alone. Into it's a little brief. The JJ Walker show, yeah. which is which is fine. Right. Uh and he's like, "How did this happen to me? This is this happens to other people. Mm-hmm. Await to other people. I am other people." Right? He's going through a lot.
1: He's just screaming every line at the top of his lungs. Yeah.
0: He's he just and and eventually just goes ah, he just screams at yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. It's true. The way they unpack. Uh, myths and misconceptions in this episode is actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. They do literally have a character reading from a medical book at one point. But even that... Uh, is softened with some some jokes and you know
1: I that actually was one of the things that made me laugh out loud how we get into that moment mm-hmm.
0: so oh my finally, god yes
1: finally coming up with some kind of a plan JJ grabs the family medical dictionary I'm sorry the what the family medical dictionary didn't you the family medical have encyclopedia? one oh, Thank encyclopedia you. I don't
0: need to know what the words mean I need to know what to do <laughs> he flips to <laughs> the. you mean the the manually operated web MD <laughs>
1: yes he flips to the V section which is approximately 12 pages <laughs> in to the book yeah want to be like you know that's at the back right the
0: prop work is not well who, who knows how many volumes it has <laughs> it's true but, but he does go through every letter first it's
1: but before he can read up on uh venereal disease he the, his siblings come home so he just like throws the book down hmm. with the open to the page that he was reading and grabs an ebony magazine instead which just so happens to have the jefferson's I saw on that. the cover i was
0: like well wow, what a neat little cameo
1: yep and then thelma and michael are like surprised? Marianne's gone already. And they can tell JJ's upset, and they're saying, you know, if you have a problem, tell us about it. But he's like, I can't talk to you about it. So young Michael picks up the medical dictionary, open to the page JJ left it open to, <laughs> looks at it, and just looks at him and goes, JJ, you got VD? <laughs> <It's fantastic. laughs> I laughed so hard. It was fantastic. I was like, that's there's, easy. <laughs>
0: there's yes. <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of like brain racking like how do we how do we get him to admit it? Oh no no no. We got right. it. Right.
1: How long can we how many minutes of this episode will be devoted to him trying to hide it from his siblings? Right. Oh 30
0: seconds. There is there's a lot of clever wordplay in this. Uh, moments either before or after this, he's oh before this he's like he he wants. Michael says, which I thought was a good, like softening us from the the argument phase of the sitcom into right. the we care about you. Michael says, quote, if you got a problem, why don't you tell us? Maybe we can help you. you yeah, because we're family.
1: Yeah, and uh, then he can't because he's embarrassed. which He's is like, an important I wish thing. you were
0: older, to Michael, and then he says to Thelma, I wish you were my brother. <laughs> yeah, it's good.
1: Yeah, it's good, and also it it sets up the the first of the misconceptions or the first of the hurdles to getting treatment. Shame which seems to be the first shame. thing Yeah, yeah
0: that we're, we are talking about. Um, also,
1: they never say a name for the VD. They
0: don't, which is also problematic, but it's yeah, fine. I think
1: they're just trying to like throw a blanket over it. Although if you were Marianne and the doctor would have told you, you have chlamydia, you have yeah, gonorrhea, yeah, you would have said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, We call them STIs. Previously, we called them STDs. The term VD in the 70s, most commonly referred to gonorrhea or syphilis. But in fact, there are more than 30 possibilities here.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Way to go, humanity. Um, uh, (laughs) uh, Here's what I think, though. I'm going to, because that was one of the things that I thought of and wrote down here, too. But based on, this is, again, I, I have not researched this at all, jazz or otherwise, but I get the feeling like, standards and practices was probably...
1: Oh, you're probably All you right. can
0: say is VD. VD. Yeah. I mean, you don't even... You can't even say the whole thing. Yeah. You just say VD. Because I remember... Uh, Saturday Night Live did a couple sketches about it and they just said VD mm. I feel like it comes up other places too
1: interesting because I guess they were thinking kids won't know what that is or something no
0: they're probably thinking it's inappropriate to talk about specific right. di- sexual transmitted diseases on right. television I'm, right I, I have to imagine based on the time frame that it's like I mean
1: they never say the word sex in this entire episode there's a sexual
0: context. there's a lot of
1: eyebrow waggling sure and is. like you know how you get that kind of a thing yeah. Thelma freaks out as soon as Michael says, "Do you have VD?" and JJ doesn't deny it. But then Michael, you know, yeah, always got a plan. Is like, let me go get my sex ed textbook. The right. only, the only one with a plan is the fourteen year old. Um, Which is
0: again another good like exchange where he's like, he's going to talk about it. And he's like, Michael, leave the room. And Michael's like, well, we learned all about this in sex ed. I know everything about it. And he's like, Thelma, leave the room. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, Thelma seems awfully surprised that her twenty-year-old brother, who was out until two a.m. last night, has ever had sex. Uh, you mean
0: the same twenty-year-old brother who only talks about having sex? Yeah, yeah. It's she weird. seems real shocked that like he has that, ever been it? able mm-hmm. to catch yeah, VD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a second, Fonzie, you kissed a girl.
1: <laughs> no, right? <laughs> it's not the defining characteristic of your entire character. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: In fact, most of the dynamites have something to do with, <laughs> with ladies. sex. Yeah.
1: Uh, Michael comes back with his sex ed textbook and lays some great facts on us.
0: It's not. It's not. It's not as bad as some. You know. At least he's not reading it directly to the camera. And oh, it's, it's
1: just exposition, but it is.
0: But you, you do need to. It's. It's not the only time that we're going to get somebody explaining what's going on, and right. they're going to drop in. Like we. It, they, at least they've got a two pronged approach here. This is the, uh, dispelling misinformation, right. talking about the reality of the situation. They're getting this. Actual information out of the way, and then they're going to delve into moral and emotional stuff. Yeah, as well. which
1: look if the choices between the ones we normally watch, where you don't get any information mm-hmm. about a thing, and a kid reading a sex ed textbook,
0: perfectly fine. Then
1: I'm great with it.
0: Especially, I'm, I'm sure you've probably got some statistics over there, it, just based on the way this episode is approaching it. It feels like people were just dropping dead on the street.
1: Well, there was a huge problem yeah. in the 70s after the 60s the sort of free love mm-hmm. thing. Uh, this Tibbs. was before the HIV AIDS crisis yes. of the 80s. So right. it wasn't in and when we're talking about VD in this episode, I think we're specifically not talking about HIV AIDS. I can't imagine because, that because because he says yeah and he says well, Michael says, reading from his textbook, that if caught and properly treated, all venereal disease is 100% curable. Sure. So not we're not talking about HIV and AIDS. But he says, further, there is free treatment from public the public health department in mm-hmm. every major U.S. city, and you have to get treated because even if the symptoms go away on their own, you'll still have the disease, which can lead to more health complications over time. Just like solid info it is. It's coming just, at us. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And it is. here's why it works out pretty well is that JJ is bringing up in his fun JJ way, like, I can't afford a doctor. What do you think I am made out of money? And it's like, no, you don't have to have that. So at least they're, they're tempering it. And it's not just like, Tell me more, Yeah, no, it's everything.
1: He's like, well, it'll go away on its own. And he's like, even if the symptoms go away, da-da-da. And the last objection that JJ has is, what if our parents find out? And I want to be like, you're 20. But (laughs) Michael says, in Illinois and many other states, a doctor can treat anyone over the age of 11 for VD without their parents' permission. Yeah. I looked into this, and it is now all 50 states and the District of Columbia.
0: Still 11 years old?
1: No, uh, it varies by state. Minors can seek confidential treatment for STIs without parental knowledge or consent. The age is either 12, 14, or 16, depending on the state. The CDC has a map. On their website of what the age is in every state Boy. so I'll link to that because I was like look at this resource what a
0: weird <laughs> fun horrible resource yeah, know, right
1: um, hmm. but uh, then of course we have another phone call because we need a, we need to break up the tension of all of these facts and right. all of this like heavy medical stuff with some just solid siblings fucking each other over yeah. hilarity mm-hmm. so the phone rings and it's the mom and the siblings take turns being unable to lie to her on the phone and just just passing the phone around being yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. fine. No, we're not Everybody going to just doctor. keeps
0: saying, J.J.'s fine. I'm fine. J.J.'s fine. Yeah. Which yeah. is
1: pretty funny. Pretty funny.
0: All right, so. To the clinic! To the clinic. Um, so the scene, first scene, like I said, dealt with medical information, misinformation, things like that. So we're getting straight into, let's talk about the emotional and moral problems with yeah. getting treatment. You have to admit that something's happened. You have to seek out help.
1: We're going to approach the inmost clinic. Here. Yeah, yeah, this literally. is the Inmost Cave section of the Hero's Journey.
0: No, I, you know, go ahead. No, that's you have it. More? Do you have more, Joseph Joseph J.J. J. Campbell? <laughs> 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 it's the Hero's Dino by Journey! <laughs> um, <laughs> so... JJ uh his 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 siblings pushing him into the the actual office
1: he's too embarrassed he's he doesn't embarrassed. want to
0: go in and he goes in and there is a helpful nurse there who is like what's going on he's like bo I he has to whisper it in her ear, and she's like, "That's not a big deal."
1: Yeah, she's like, "That's why don't you just say that? There's nothing to be ashamed of. Go sit e- down."
0: Exactly that, and she's like, "We'll help you out, That's cool. Why out. we're here, yeah. So he goes and sits down to a scraggly Jay Leno. <laughs> he sits
1: next to Jay Leno, which is trivia here. Jimmy Walker and Jay Leno had been coming up a stand-up comics oh, that for makes years. Sense. He got Jay Leno this guest spot, mm-hmm. and then in another episode, he gets a young David Letterman a guest spot. What? Um, after good times, they s-
0: argue over which one of them gets the earlier late <laughs> don't slot. No.
1: Guess but after Good Times went off the air and Letterman became a huge late night star, he'd still have Jimmy Walker on his show anytime Walker picked up the oh, phone. Like they were, you know, they all three of them came up together. So I didn't expect to see Jay Leno in this episode sure. of television, but there he is at the VD clinic, sitting there, you know, just another ally. It's a lot less
0: denim than he would come to wear in later years. <laughs> yeah. Very little denim.
1: He's one um, of those people whose face will n- is not disguisable, though.
0: It's true. It's like It doesn't matter
1: how young or old he is. It doesn't matter what kind of costume or wig. Yeah. You can tell Jay Leno from a 60 paces.
0: And he's got some weird long hair happening here, which doesn't look right. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't talk about cars, so that's some good acting there.
1: <laughs> it's funny because JJ is trying to keep up this facade that he has a cold. He has a cold, yeah. And, he's, and uh, so Jay Leno says, what are you in for here? And Jay says, oh, I have a cold. And... and Uh, J.J. says, I have a cold. And J.J.'s like, weird, everyone else here has VD. Yeah. (laughs) Which did make me laugh. (laughs) Me too. I was like,
0: that's pretty funny. And so Jay Leno then drops some some signs as well. He's like, hey, look, it's an epidemic. A lot of people have it. And besides, a germ's a germ. You got to get... You know, treated yeah. for this doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah,
1: he's like people gonna be afraid to admit they have it or get treatment because of the way you get it. But it's just like it, you know, any it's like you're cold basically. Yeah. Um, it's like
0: there's a lot, there's there's not much difference between your cold and VD. And JJ's like, I know. Yeah, very
1: little. All this is making JJ feel better. I think it's, I can't well, tell how it's affecting look, him. Uh,
0: here's the thing: I think that JJ Walker is a phenomenally funny. He's got the, like you said, he's got like good inflection work. He, he's, his reactions are great, but he can only do like one emotion at a time, <laughs> like yeah. one emotion per act. <laughs> and this act is panic.
1: It is. It is interesting that. I mean we've talked a little bit before in terms of like the very special episode format and who gets to learn the lesson over time mm-hmm. and we're still in the 70s when it is one of your main characters that learns a lesson. For like sure. if this had been a nineties episode, it would have been Kimmy Gibbler who got VD yeah, or yeah, yeah. some other ancillary character. It would have been
0: a character that they're, they pretended they knew for a long time, right. but you never saw again.
1: So I applaud that. It's like the most popular character on the show. Yeah. If they're going to make the point that this is an epidemic, it can it happen to anyone. You don't have to be ashamed. Then he has to be the one who is the it's most true. popular character. It's true.
0: Uh, they'll land on the, well, it turns out that it was an ancillary character that had the whole time. Yeah, right. Um, but we'll get there. So uh, yeah. the doctor calls JJ in. Yeah. Doctor also drops some knowledge. He's like.
1: Yeah. Now you know, we have, this is the supreme ordeal, I think. Absolutely. As much as, I mean, this episode doesn't really adhere to it super a, well, but. but
0: unfortunate fade, which makes it seem like a more supreme ordeal yeah. than it actually is. <laughs> so uh doctor's like, look, it's not a bad guy disease anymore. One out of five people get it before they graduate high school, which yeah. I hope is better now because that sounds dire. It's Nope.
1: Mo- nope. Because uh, HPV is like one in three. Oh, HPV, sure. So it's not bad.
0: headed stepchild of STIs. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, everybody forgot about fucking poor HPV. Yeah, there is a brief moment of you shouldn't have sex at all. And then he's like, just get treated. Nobody brings up safe sex. Nobody
1: brings up uh, prophylactics, condoms, dental dams. And the doctor says the best, the only way to avoid VD is not to mess around in the first place. But if the people who do will come and get tested, we can wipe this out in no time. And I'm like, there is a third alternative. But maybe it's a standards and practices thing.
0: It might have been standards and practices thing. It also might have just been like they sat down and they were like uh, look, we're not gonna get people to use condoms. What are we fucking crazy? <laughs> That's so stupid. Uh anyway, so we'll just skip over the condom argument, go right from like right.
1: abstinence or once you've got it, come get yeah, treated. Yeah. Abstinence
0: or fuck fest.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, two fuck options. everybody you want, just come get treated when yeah. you inevitably, inevitably get V Z. And he's not Actually wrong in the nineties we came close to eliminating syphilis in this country Mm -hmm. entirely. Um so he's not wrong that if if people would just get tested and get treated frequently, then venereal disease wouldn't have been an epidemic in the seventies and wouldn't be one now. But uh the doctor also tells JJ a thing that I think is important Mm. for viewers to know is which is that the test doesn't hurt. They don't show the test. I assume it's a blood test, but they don't yeah. show it. it. The test results here's, come back faster than any test delightful. results I've ever had.
0: Uh, it is Just uh, based on rumor and hearsay <laughs> from me, there are a couple of tests that are not great.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah,
0: involve a like, cotton swab.
1: Oh, yeah. And, mm, I see. Where
0: cotton swab should never, never go.
1: Never been through that myself. And
0: then he's like, well, it's time for the... Uh, and here's the thing, is we don't talk about what the actual... Uh, Ordeal that he's going to go through Is we don't talk about the test Because he's like let's do this test And JJ's like alright And he starts taking his shirt off And the doctor's like laughing Like you don't need to do that And it feels like there was He probably was going to get into What the test actually involved But instead they just sort of cut away And it's like oh this just makes it feel (laughs) like some horrible things were gonna happen because it's JJ sadly taking off his shirt and a doctor like sort of chuckling to himself yeah. <laughs> in Uncle Touchy's puzzle basement oh no yeah. what is that from Pat Oswalt uh, so we cut away from that <laughs> yeah uh, and we're back in the waiting room and his family is very concerned about him yeah. we're, we're you know, on this on this family's heroic journey, these we three are, kids. Yeah, we've gone from the uh, um, the the call to tattling uh, <laughs> through the the be, your mom is a belly of a whale oh. uh, <laughs> into the supremely caring ordeal, right, which yes. is like you know they've they've been yelling at each other, but now they're genuinely concerned about their brother and they hope he's okay and why yeah. is it taking so long and things like that. Yeah. and who should walk in? Typhoid Mary (laughs) Typhoid Mary (laughs) Ann Oh fantastic Uh, Everything she touches Stop stop volunteering at the soup Slash fuck kitchen (sighs) Listen the 70s were a different time People couldn't get soup People couldn't get fucked you can but when they did, they should both. have been tested. They should have been.
1: Um, so <laughs> she comes in and she's, uh, she's there for a follow-up appointment, we learn later. She's walking in just as JJ's coming out and the, he's got his results back already and he's clean.
0: Yeah, he is, which, you know, throws... Uh, Marianne's whole argument into disarray. Her whole life is upended in this moment.
1: Well, yeah, because she says she's only been with two people. So if it's not JJ that gave her VD, then it has to be the guy she's now seeing yep. who's her fiancé. Yep. And she doesn't want to bring this up with him. And I think the idea is either that she thought that, like, he hadn't slept with anyone else, or maybe they both got tested when they started, which means he's cheating on her. Here's the
0: thing. This is one of the... The point of the episode that is just not handled well. Yeah. Because what they ought to do is, if it's not JJ, that means it's my boyfriend. Oh, no. I have to go tell him. And we need to talk about it right now. They didn't even end Mm -mm. where they end, which is like, he's got some explaining to do. Fantastic. But they have it both ways where Marianne is like, "Uh uh-oh. That means that I've gotten it from somebody else. But it's still the onus is on her. Yeah. Like, she still feels shame and responsibility for getting yeah, she's like, I from don't from a different person. She's
1: like, I don't want to talk about this with him.
0: Yeah. And it's um, like,
1: but he... And Thelma says, you have to. Yeah.
0: He has it. And if she's being honest about only having been with two people, he gave it to you. Yeah. And I, I thought where it was going to go was like, but we've been in a relationship for three years or something like that. And it was going to be like, I don't know. Exactly.
1: Like he must be having sex with someone else. I thought
0: that's where they were going to go, but that, yeah, that that wasn't it. It was just no. like a weird like shame thing. Yeah, it's a weird
1: know. like I don't want to talk about this with a man that I'm engaged to. Which is like, was, but JJ is such a throwaway person sure. that you were like, I'm gonna go blame him.
0: And then a solid 30 seconds later she's like, I better go talk about this. He's got some explaining to do and it's like, eh, whatever. Okay, just, whatever. He did great throughout this, most of this episode, good right. times. But why not flub this last right, moment? Right, sure.
1: So uh, Marianne apologizes for putting JJ through all this and he says, no it's okay. And then he thanks his siblings for dragging him down to the the clinic and mm. they say of course we love you just quite a change from this morning there you go. um J.J. declares that he did learn one thing from all this. He won't be involved in love anymore. It's nothing but trouble.
0: And then we have Joseph Campbell's most misguided journey back. (laughs) The road back is not great because number one, that road is too short. And number two, that road should lead a safe distance away from the free clinic. So he turns, he's like, no more love for me. And then some girl walks into the free clinic and he's like, say!
1: Yeah, immediately starts trying to hit on this poor woman woman who's just trying to visit the clinic in peace. It's For like,
0: whatever reason, none of which is like a hotbed of pickup yeah. activity.
1: The VD clinic and like the sex addict support group or places. You shouldn't just sure. be hitting on people. Well,
0: ha- you're half right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like best case scenario, she's pregnant or she's trying to find out whether she's pregnant. JJ, JJ, Walk down right, the street, or she has VD. Go to Fantastic <laughs> Thunderbird uh, Motors <laughs> and try your luck there. Right. It is and again. It it's a gag, but it's like mm 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 mm.
1: So yeah, and then there—that's the end of it. Yep. That's what we know. And then I assume we never see Typhoid Marianne again.
0: And then JJ and his two best girlfriends, who all work at the same office and are tired of the patriarchy, <laughs> string up Dabney Coleman with yep. a garage door opener rope thing trap. Yep.
1: What a way to make a living. (laughs) Good times.
0: (laughs) Uh, Good nine to fives. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's the end of the episode.
1: Yeah. So of course I looked up what our current STI crisis is in America because I feel like I see... Was it
0: just a webpage that had thumbs up and
1: everything's great? No, it wasn't. Oh no, what? It wasn't. Um, Have you seen the billboards everywhere that are like syphilis is back, gonorrhea is back. Uh Uh-huh. So apparently the STI... It's worse than it was in the 70s. Like, we went through a period in the 80s and 90s where the free clinics were funded well. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of press about them. People were getting tested. People were using uh, birth control um, and—well, not birth control. People were were using—were practicing safe sex. And we, as I said, almost eliminated syphilis in the 90s. And then, since the 90s, the CDC funding— for STI research and for these free clinics has just been slashed and slashed and still getting slashed. Chelsea,
0: who would do that?
1: Um, well, most recently that would be our President Trump, what? who uh, proposed a 17% reduction in 2017 to federal STD funding nationwide. Huh. Experts say if this trend is not reversed, We are going to face an unconscionable epidemic of STDs uh, as they spiral out of control and the infrastructure to fight the spread breaks down. What will that look like? Billions in healthcare costs and tragic public health consequences such as increased infertility. So we are just starting The Handmaid's Tale. It's The Handmaid's Tale
0: meets The Roman Empire. Let's just fucking... Let's just start fiddling now, Trump.
1: Right. Also, um, we're now facing STIs uh, that are... uh, Antibacterial. Antibiotic resistant. Antibiotic resistant. Yeah, there's a form of gonorrhea currently going around that there are no treatments for. But the good news is that we are in a much more sex positive age than yes. we used to be there is a lot more advocacy for reducing the shame regarding the discussion of stds yep. the discussion of especially people being like if you're positive you should reveal that on your dating profile on a mm. dating I mean, app As somebody and, who
0: does like online dating you see profiles like that all yeah. the time
1: so it's in like one in one regard we've come a long way in terms of like i just went on uh, thursday night i went to the Los Angeles Lady Arm Wrestlers League Mm -hmm. and there was a sex ed booth there with resources and condoms and pamphlets and um, it just sort of like more geared toward the LGBTQ plus community but also it wasn't like they were kicking straight people away from the booth you know so (laughs)
0: like, look at this picture of timothy chalamet
1: there you go
0: my gosh sorry guys i'm so ungay i couldn't think of an attractive man good look at this picture of timothy chalamet you're not drooling get away from you straight person
1: um so i i think it's great that we we live in an age where even in the most sort of uh i mean los angeles obviously is not the most conservative place in the country (laughs) but even more conservative places people know like oh I am in Chicago, I can go to Howard Brown for testing, I can go to Planned Parenthood for testing, you know, like people kind mm. of know what the resources are, but we are underfunding these programs to sure. such a degree that we're not really making, I mean, it's it's as bad or worse than it was in the 70s. Sure, it
0: feels like a, a, a vicious cycle of morality and, well, I'll say morality and religion at the same time, just having grown up in a religious setting that was, that addressed- STIs, HIV AIDS, anything negative about sex as being the consequences of an immoral life. Yeah. And the only way to combat that was with you know complete abstinence. just don't get it in the first place. Just yeah, how can you get AIDS <laughs> it's if you just don't? Just say no. Yeah. You know,
1: it's the same reasoning. It's like I have a disease. Oh well, you shouldn't have it. Yeah. Well, but what do I do? Well, you shouldn't have gotten it.
0: Uh, burn in hell, I guess. Yeah, but I
1: have it. So what do I do? Well, go back in time and don't get it. How it's about
0: pretty much that? Have you tried praying? <laughs> pray some more. Then have
1: you got have you got a, a housemaid's knee from praying?
0: Nuns' <laughs> 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 knee. Um, not even anecdotally. I've read things like this. I just can't reproduce it. The The studies that abstinence education, sole abstinence education leads to higher oh, instances yeah. of STIs and teenage pregnancies yep. isn't anecdotal. It is scientifically proven.
1: It's scientifically proven that the thing that decreases teenage pregnancy is available birth control.
0: Exactly. And, you know, as uh, moral leaders in this country, and I can't put enough quotes around that. You and me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not moral authorities. Oh, okay. We oh, are okay. leading anything. <laughs> moral <laughs> leaders in this country continue to push a a losing agenda like that. It just gets worse and worse, and it's right. it's unfortunate. But I feel, uh, and again, without looking it up, there's direct correlation between a rise in that sort of uh, uh, pseudo morality and uh, the rise in STIs seems to go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, I mean, just the rise in being like, well, you're on your own. I'm going to say, did yeah, you get this? You were on your own.
0: Pretty much that. And also, you know, I'm sorry we didn't tell you how to stop this from happening. We only gave you one option that was against your, you know, biological makeup. Sorry about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Unfortunately, as I said, these uh, publicly funded clinics keep getting their budgets slashed. However, mm-hmm. they are still out there. There are organizations like I talked about, Howard Brown, Planned Parenthood. There is also an organization that I found in doing research for this called the National Association of Free and Charitable Clinics. And I'll put the link, which is you can go to to find a free clinic in your area that is a nonprofit that does not accept government funding. Oh, So there are people out there doing the good work, trying to provide screening services and treatment services, even as the government basically turns its back on its citizens in this way. Uh, so all hope is not lost, and I think that while clearly the producers of this show couldn't go out and you know provide screenings themselves, <laughs> no, I truly <laughs> think that their the heart was Norman in the Lear right. Norman Lear was like running around with little exactly with, with yeah. tiny uh, forms, just handing out forms to people. Mm-hmm. No, I I think that their heart was really in the right place with this episode. I think so
0: too. So let's let's switch over to our normal question, which I feel like needs a caveat, and I yeah. can tell I'm beginning to be able to gauge when an episode of television is successful by how loud our jokes get (laughs) because (laughs) this has been a very steady episode and we're just like yes here's we're like
1: they did this and they did this we have some
0: funny things but nobody's getting upset about anything so it must have been an okay episode yeah so let's answer our normal question and then we'll talk about uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit more of a caveat for this. Sure. So our normal question is would you show this to people today in order to educate them about uh, STIs or the uh, you know VD's.
1: I think I would. I think because I would because the steps too. are the same. Don't be ashamed, do go get treated. Yeah. It's very common. It won't hurt, you know?
0: Yes. We have a situation here where the only reason to say no to that, in my opinion, is that the information or the medium wasn't up to snuff for the, the actual issue. Like, this mm-hmm. wasn't a failing on the actors, producers, directors, or writers part. It just feels like they didn't have enough information um, as far as like protection was concerned, it also really feels like standards and practices probably had a lot to yeah. do with this. So the caveat being, I would I would show this to people nowadays with the understanding that it's like, this is from 1976, right. and it really feels like it.
1: And I'm also going to pause it at certain points and be like, the third thing you could do yeah. is practice safe sex. <laughs> sure. Or this is a tiny bit slut-shaming. Let's act. Yeah,
0: know. oh man. Um, yeah. But
1: it actually wasn't as bad as it could have been. For sure. In, in terms um, of slut-shaming, and because they... It, they really kind of make it seem like everybody's doing this as opposed yeah. to only bad people are doing this. I mean, only if you look at this thing, this. yeah, on
0: on a whole, this, this whole thing uh, just, it's really well put together because they do like the... Everybody in the family is up until all hours making out with this person or that person. It's not just JJ's of fucking Lothario. Yeah. It's not just you know. And then the Lothario parents, is the right word. Right? Lothario. Yeah. Okay. And it's not Thelma's you know uh, uh, some sort of slut. It's yeah, just and it's like it's not
1: like and Marianne herself is like a very cute, sweet, mm-hmm. normal, nice girl. She's not like the pro, you know the harlot from she down the no road that shows Dana up.
0: Plato and Growing Pains. Right. She is not Madonna. <laughs> she out. is not
1: Madonna out. So, I think that they did a good job in terms of setting it up as like a thing that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, I think so too. I think they did a good job of every time I came up with a. Uh, thought of like, oh, he probably is thinking this. They immediately addressed it like, oh, I don't have money. Go to the doctor. won't go to the free clinic. Oh, my parents are going to find out. No, they won't. And then they don't, you know, which I kind of expected for some reason for the parents to come home early and then it's whatever. But they truly, they landed that. They were like, no, you can come, you can get treated or you can get tested in his case. And we're not going to tell, Anyone you don't want us to tell. There you go. Which I mean, Which he's twenty, have, so he's yeah. way over the age of of majority anyway. Man,
0: but I'm pretty sure Steve Urkel was in his fifties when he was on that show. <laughs> I am not looking that up, but I just think it's true. Um, so yeah,
1: I think it's a pretty well done episode. Yeah, honestly,
0: I think it's it's up there. It's going to be in our like top top three. Yeah. actually, well done episodes. Yeah. Sadly, there's only like a top
1: three. You I thought we were gonna have more them. because we hit that really good episode of Family Ties at, yeah, at, at was, our episode eight. I got worried. I was, I was like, like, Oh, uh-oh. they're gonna be way more of them than I thought. But yeah. it has not turned out to be Mm-mm. the case. I mean, this in one, terms of episodes, I'd still one. show there have been very few.
0: What do you feel like is is our our number three? Because I feel like Family I feel Ties. Like I had one when we this did the one bonus. One, so, maybe
1: this one's good. There was one Currents when I, the cowardly
0: dog is in there, but it's such a weird thing.
1: Yeah, there was one. I think it was maybe the oh, Mike punky punky. Oh yeah. Life, both cherry lifesaver life and the space, the challenger. Yeah. And then I think there was an episode. I think the Mike's Madonna episode of growing pains. Oh no, no, no. We, this is controversial between us. Uh-oh. The home improvement episode about yeah, pot, uh, I think is good for parents. Uh, Not yeah, necessarily. Kids. I feel
0: like it raises a good issue for parents, and then doesn't do it well.
1: Yeah, agree to so, yeah. disagree, jerk. <laughs> so, as as you can tell, it's get just get your a agree small to disagree handful. t-shirts now. <laughs> just a small handful of episodes that we really feel like you, we would show to a modern audience. And look,
0: folks, if you tuned in to hear a yelly, screamy <laughs> Andy and Chelsea, tune if in, you in next a week. He man, <laughs> She-Ra, oh sort of soon to be new kids on the block Christmas special. Chelsea and Andy. You just stick around
1: Yeah we're like They'll be back
0: Yeah We're like STI statistics <laughs> in the 70s
1: We're on the rise All over
0: the place <laughs> like a Dark So uh, Chelsea Speaking of What we'll be yelling about next time Oh yeah Hold What on, are we watching next time I wonder
1: Next time we're gonna watch Friends Season 8 episode 9 The mm-hmm. one with the rumor Which is one of the famous Thanksgiving episodes of mm-hmm. Friends mm-hmm. 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 We're gonna watch that next time
0: So yeah, thank you again for tuning in and we will see you next time. Bring snacks. Bye.
1: I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks. Give us your catchphrase again.
0: Okay.